0: How many people have your Bible today? If you have your Bible, stand up and hold it above your head. Bear witness of God's word. Beautiful. You know what a testimony this is to be able to know that you're carrying the written word of God, inspired by God, the whole truth. Not something, a fable or a fairy tale, but the truth of the word. Do you realize that for the rest of your life, in eternal life, you'll be judged by the words of this book? So why in the world have churches quit using this book? Amen. Do you want to use it today? You're in a good place. You may be seated. Will you turn to the book of Galatians chapter 3? Galatians chapter 3. After you find Galatians 3, if you will, please turn to Matthew chapter 27. Galatians 3, Matthew 27. When you find your place, say, I have it. For weeks and weeks, I've known Easter was coming. It didn't sneak up on me. We've been talking for several weeks about the things that led up to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then understand it from a pastor's viewpoint. Okay, well, it's Easter. I want to talk about the death, I want to talk about the burial, I want to talk about the resurrection. But God, He makes the way to know what we need to hear. And in the study and in all that we've talked about, remember last week we left off with Jesus entering into Jerusalem. Everyone shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And it was that glorious day where everyone was recognizing Him. But we understood it was not what we What we've come to know is that celebration of the Messiah. What we saw last week is that Jesus Christ was riding into Jerusalem and he stopped at the beginning of Jerusalem and began to weep. Why did he begin to weep? He began to weep because he could actually see why they were praising him. They were praising Him because they wanted a Messiah, a Savior, to deliver them from Roman oppression, to take away their taxes, to be able to to give them a better home and a better car and a better, you say, well, they didn't have cars. Okay, a better camel. (laughs) They wanted a better life and they needed somebody to deliver them from that, right? Jesus was brokenhearted because He was giving them the greatest, the greatest gift. He was going to save their soul from being separated from God and save their soul from hell. And as they came to him, and they said, Jesus, these were the religious leaders, tell them to stop calling you the Messiah. He said, if they didn't call it to me, the rocks would cry out. Amen. We learned as he was crucified, and not one person stood with our Savior, not one friend, not one disciple stood with our Savior. When he was alone in this world, bleeding and dying for us, and not one person gave him praise. The Bible says he bowed his head. The earth began to shake. The rocks split and cried out. I began to think. Last week, how many times the rocks have had to cry out for me? How many times... Did I not praise him for the big stuff? My praise only came, my relationship was only solid when I was going to him wanting something. But it was a material thing. Because see, I live in a world where things go wrong. And you live in a world where things go wrong, don't you? Did anybody's week go according to what you planned last week? What happens? Why is it? See, the problem is we're living here, we're functioning, we're going, and we're assuming that if we think this way, this is going to happen the way we want it to, and what we forget on a daily basis is that we, we live in a cursed world. You say, well, you come to church on Easter, you don't want to talk about living in a cursed world. Then you're at the wrong place. We're going to talk about the curse today. But with the curse, we're also going to talk about the opposite of the curse, which is the blessing. And I want you to understand in fullness what happened at Easter. Because what happened at Easter is something that we should take from here and celebrate. It's something deeper than we normally would think. And it was summed up in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. And I want you to read this because of all the things that we could talk about today, I feel like the Lord was leading this way. So Galatians 3, it says, verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, I want to start, before we go into any sermon, I want us to understand the gravity of that day. You see, crucifixion and the crucifixion of Jesus was not just a random way for Jesus to die. It wasn't as if God said, hey, this will be a good way. Let's crucify him. You know, it broke God's heart to see His Son die, but to be crucified was the most brutal form of death. Crucifixion was considered one of the most horrible ways for someone to die, but it was also the most humiliating way for someone to die. If you were to study crucifixion as it led up to this, you would realize that crucifixion usually happened after somebody was dead. After someone was dead and certain cultures, they would put the person on a cross or, or put a part of the person on a cross in these, these pagan societies. And it would represent to anyone that came, this is what will happen if you violate the law. But in these times where living people were crucified, even in these times it was not just the pain and the agony of the death. Most people died before they got to the point of being crucified. But the humiliation, these people were considered cursed. Did you hear that? Cursed. It's one thing to die. It's another thing to die being considered cursed. Much less the humiliation of knowing you were stripped in front of everyone. You were defiled. Now, I want you to listen to what Jesus went through for us. And this comes from Matthew chapter 27. If you were to go back a little in Matthew 26, you would read that even when he was in front of the religious leaders, they trumped up false charges against him. They bared false witness against him. Before chapter 27 starts, in chapter 26 it says, Then they did spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? They, they made a mockery of him. They, they covered his eyes and put a, a, a scarlet robe upon him. They blindfolded him, and then they smacked him and said, Which one of us did that, since you know everything? The amazing thing, the, the thing of much gravity that we can't even think about is that at any given time, just as he told Peter, he could have called 12 legions of angels, 72,000 angels to say, hey, take care of this. But he didn't. The Bible says that nobody took his life. He gave it for us. So this is somebody that agreed to suffer, agreed to the humiliation, which makes it even bigger. And so I have to read what happened after they turned him over to the Romans. This is Matthew 27. Just think of this. Beginning at verse 26. Then released He Barabbas unto them when He had scourged Jesus. He delivered Him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto Him the whole band of soldiers. That's a fair fight, isn't it? All the soldiers against Jesus. Now, with all these men there, They stripped him and put a scarlet robe upon him. And when they had plated a crown of thorns, hey, let's make a crown of thorns. He's a king. Make sure those thorns press down so when we put it on him, it'll cause him some pain. They put it upon his head. Hey, somebody grab a reed. Somebody grab We'll put it in here like he's got a scepter because he's the king. Hey, get a reed and put it in his hand. And they bowed a knee before him. And they mocked him. And they stood up and they spit on him. They took that reed out of his hand, it says in verse 30. And they began to smack him in the head with the reed. The thing I can't get over is that during this time, he saw you and me and decided to let him do it. What was it that was motivating him? What was it? Wasn't there another way that he could accomplish what he wanted to accomplish? And we'll see today that there wasn't. It says, after that they had mocked him, they took a robe off of him and put his own raiment on him again and led him away to crucify him. Verse 37 says, they set up over his head an accusation written saying, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. We see then after that that the thieves that were beside of him, both thieves, where they were questioning his deity and one did come around, but the other didn't. We see that throughout the whole time, Jesus had no one standing with him, and at the very end, the thief on the cross said, Hey, consider me. Amen. Verse 50 Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghosts, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain or torn in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks began to split apart. What happened? There are a lot of things that happened when he yielded the ghost, but the thing that I want you to see today is the biggest thing that happened when Jesus' life left his body as a sacrifice for our sin is that the curse was broken. The curse was broken. You say, what curse? Well, I'm glad you asked. You see, even the way Jesus died, And you can reference this in the book of Deuteronomy. I'll read this to you. Even the way he died, Deuteronomy chapter 21. It's easy to remember. It's Deuteronomy 21, verse 22 and 23. Listen to what it says. It says, and if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, let him be put to death and thou hang him on a tree. What does that mean? Crucify him. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day for he that is hanged, Is a curse of God. Now, this began to blow my mind when I began to research this because I realized something I never thought about before. As Paul was talking about Jesus became cursed to remove our curse, verse 13, not only do I fail to realize every day that I am living in a cursed world, I fail to realize that in order for Jesus to remove my curse, He actually had to be cursed of God. So if I were to stand up and preach the day that Jesus was cursed, boy, eyebrows would raise, right? But do you understand, and a lot of you have read this, when Jesus, before he gave up the ghost, there was a point of such loneliness with him that he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, where was God. God couldn't look at him. He was carrying my sin and your sin and my curse and your curse. And at that point, Jesus was cursed. The son of God who left glory to come to this earth for me, knowing that I would turn my back on him, that I would disappoint him. Praise God for loving me, loving you enough to be cursed for me. You say, well, let's go back to this curse thing. Why are you saying we're cursed? You see, I want to tell you the way it began, and you might think this is remedial, but we need to get to it this way. You see, the way it began was that God created man in His own image. The Bible tells us that as it begins, the whole way that it started, He created everything. And then on the, the last creation day, He created man. And then He gave man dominion over everything that He created. But the greatest thing that He gave man was fellowship. God put man in a place called the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was perfect. The Garden of Eden didn't have any weeds. The Garden of Eden didn't have any Bermuda grass. (laughs) To a yard guy, you know that's the biggest disease you could ever have. If you have Bermuda and you think it's good, I hate it for you, but anyway... There was no Bermuda grass in the Garden of Eden. It was all turf fescue. <laughs> I'm taking some liberties here. But there were no weeds. There was no work that had to be done. There were no problems. Every day was a day with fellowship with God where everything was perfect. And Adam and Eve were able to fellowship with God Almighty. There was nothing in between them. You know what they had? They had life because at that point there was no death. They could live forever. They had righteousness because there was no sin. And they had glory because they had these bodies that were not going to go anywhere, didn't fade away, and they got to see God Almighty Himself. They had fellowship with God. But we know what happens, Right? In Genesis 2, God declared to them, hey, I'm going to put you in this Garden of Eden. Not many rules. I want you to enjoy it, and I want you to fellowship with me, but there's one tree you can't eat of. Listen to the curse. The day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Chapter 3, Satan appears to Eve and convinces her by false teaching that God didn't really say that. He didn't really mean that. He just doesn't want this. And hey, look at the fruit. She took the fruit. She enjoyed it. She showed it to Adam and it's good for food. It's pleasing to the eye. He took it. They both sinned. After they sinned, it was life as usual until God came walking to fellowship with them. When God came walking to fellowship with them, they met Him, they greeted Him and said, How are you doing? Is that the way it worked? What did they do? They hid from Him. Why? Because the curse had kicked in. You see, fellowship was broken with God at this point. And if you read on that story, which we're not really teaching about today, you'll see that the curse was implemented. And as you go through Genesis, we can read this part. Turn back to Genesis I'll read to you chapter 3, verse 17 through 24. Listen to part of the curse that he said would happen. Genesis 3, verse 17. He says, Unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, say, Thou shalt not eat of it. Listen. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Now, you might be in here today and say, yes, they were an agrarian society, and so whatever they ate had to come from there. Listen, you can apply this today. You might not be a farmer. You might not be a gardener. You might not be a cattle raiser, but he's not talking about just the ground and the earth. He's talking about the things we touch are Cursed. It's not going to go the way that we want it to go. In this life, Jesus said, you will have tribulation. Things are not going to go. Why? We're living in a cursed world. You go on to read. He said, from that point, there were thorns and thistles. they had never had thorns and thistles. That represents the, the evidence of sin. Isn't it ironic? That's the kind of crown our Savior had to wear. A crown of thorns. Representing, listen, this cursed man... You see, I can't even call Jesus cursed. You better get used to realizing that Jesus became the biggest sinner ever when He hang on, hung on the cross. Right. You say, He never sinned. He took all of our sin. The Bible says He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Amen. I want us to see today that one of the biggest parts of the curse is not just that they... Couldn't live forever. So that's part of our curse. Anybody in here aging? Does anybody in here realize that in the last 20 years your body has depreciated in some sort of way? Can I get a witness? Anybody? Why? Well, your body's cursed. It's cursed. Adam and Eve, before this, they could live forever. There was no death. But because of sin, this disobedience, came the curse. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on the curse, but I do want to let you know that it's not just the curse of life, meaning that we can't live forever. The curse did something else. It separated Adam and Eve from God. If you read the end of chapter 3, it says, Therefore the Lord sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence it was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Meaning that, hey, listen, you're put out of my presence. Why? You have sin. I have no sin. God could fellowship as long as both of them were righteous. But now that sin was there... We realized by reading on that the only way that they could come to God and have fellowship with Him was to bring an offering, a blood offering. And why? Because they had to have a blood offering to cover their sin. The first offering was when God killed those animals and took their skins to cover Adam and Eve. They thought, leaves? We'll cover ourselves with leaves. We're naked. God said, who told you, you were naked? You took of the fruit. Here's your curse. But in order for you to be, have your sins forgiven are hidden. I'm going to kill these animals. It was a blood sacrifice. From then on the sacrifice was established, but he did it because he knew one day he would give the ultimate sacrifice. Now I want you to go back to Galatians 3. If you understand how the curse started and you realize that we're all still living under that curse, unless there is a sinless person in the room, and if there is, I will gladly step aside and you can take over right now. But the Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. That means all of us have, including the person speaking to you today. So I want you to understand what Paul was telling us in Galatians 3, beginning at verse 6. He says, even as Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee all nations shall be blessed. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So we were talking about cursing. Now we're talking about the opposite of cursing, which is what? Blessing. It says in verse 10, For as many as are of the works of the law, are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. I would say we're all cursed, right? Then verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, "Curses everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The blessing being an opposite of a curse. And he used Abraham so that we could understand this. So I want to see if I can simply explain to you what's going on here. Abraham is the person in the Bible that we see stepped out in his belief and was obedient to God in such a way to where God said, Hey, Abraham, I'm going to put this blessing upon you. When you read chapter 12 of Genesis, God tells Abraham, Abraham, do this, and here's the blessing, son. I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless those that bless you, and I'm going to curse those that curse you. Listen, when we think of the word curse, we think it's something that some witch puts on somebody, right? But understand, God has a curse because God is His deity. He's divine. The definition for a curse is a, a call for divine punishment or an oath Of punishment declared. You say, I don't like to think about God as somebody that can curse. Well, God put the first curse on Adam and Eve. Why? Because they violated His covenant. He made them, created them, gave them everything, and so we live under that curse. You're a descendant of Adam and Eve. You say, Well, why would a loving God curse us? A loving God has been trying since man was created to give us opportunity. And He's even made a way for us to get back to Him and overcome the curse. Now, Abraham was told in verse 8 of Galatians 3, "...in thee all nations shall be blessed." In verse 9, "...so then, they which be of faith..." That means in this day and time, believers in Jesus' sacrifice to forgive our sins it says they're blessed with faithful Abraham for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse for it is written curses everyone that continueth not in the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So let's understand something before we get it complicated. Our sin itself, our sin nature has brought us under a curse and God wants to give us a blessing. Adam and Eve had life They had glory, and they had righteousness. But they lost it. God has a plan to take the curse and give us the blessing. Glory to God. Do you deserve the blessing? No. You know you, and I know me, but I want you to see how important Easter is as it relates to this. Because in verse 13, it tells us Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? Understand the law of God are the ways of God, the way that God gave us to be able to be obedient to Him. This law, some people might call it Old Testament law, but the law was what set God's mind in place. It said, do this or don't do that. It was God's mind. And so the law was the way that we were supposed to obey Him. Now, even in saying that, the law actually showed man that no man is perfect. Now, it doesn't give you an excuse to break God's law, but the fact that no man could obey it to its entirety let man know that he was cursed. So the Bible says that God sent Jesus Christ to redeem us from the curse. That means there had to be a price that was paid. Why? Because redeeming somebody means you have paid a price. In, the, in the, the Greek, redeemed means to either buy from a point of slavery or from the debt or bondage of debt where you owed somebody. So you were bought out of that. Jesus Christ died to buy us out of the curse. How cool is that? That's how strong the curse was. God declared it and it was on us. Why was Christ made a curse for us? Why did he become a curse? Why did he accept the curse of sin and death for us? That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. And I say glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. The blessing of God is a a thing that people really just have a hard time understanding if they're still living outside of fellowship with God. They think things happen by chance, and they call their blessings the things that happen in this world material wealth, health, relationship. Oh, we've been blessed this way, blessed this way. Listen, I don't want you to miss this. Those things have nothing to do with the cursing, the curse of sin that we are under separated us from the presence of God Almighty. And then let us be able to see that we were only temporarily gonna live here on earth, and then what? You see, there was no eternal promise. But the blessing that He gave us gave us fellowship back with God. Put us back in the position of knowing that you and I right now, even though you're not in heaven, you can enjoy the blessing right now. Now listen, don't be that person that goes to somebody and tells them, you need to accept Jesus Christ so that you don't go to hell and so you can go to heaven. I agree. That's a great perk of salvation. But can I tell you what I'm enjoying right now? Knowing how bad I've been in my life. In God's grace, I can talk to Him today. I can walk with Him today. He can reveal things to me today. He can bless me today just with His fellowship, with the peace that He gives me. Don't overlook the blessing of life. And there are things that happen in my life that I would never be able to orchestrate. And I see His hand touch this and touch that and touch this and touch that. And then, this is a good time to say, I've been at a point to where I was living in my curse, even though I'd accepted the Lord Jesus, and I could see that there's a lot of things in my life that got touched the wrong way. Things that, things that should have, you know what I'm saying, things that should have worked out, but I'm like, who's doing this? Remember, I had my little theme phrase that said, I can't have nothing. No matter what I touched, it would go wrong. Well, who was doing that? The devil? No, no. God wasn't going to let anything go right with me. Why? He loved me enough to want me back. You know what he was saying? You've stepped out of the blessing. You're living back in the curse. Now hold on with me a second. I don't know about you, but has anybody in here ever accepted the Lord Jesus Christ? After you accepted him... You got busy with yourself or selfish and you turned your back on him. You left away, you, you went away from him. And listen, life was terrible when you were away and nothing was working out. Anybody, that ever happened to anybody? Listen, I can tell you there was a time in my life where I left him and I went after my own way and my own direction and, and life got so terrible that when I opened my eyes in the morning and realized I was awake, it stung to be awake. Stung! I just, oh, not another day. Like I was cursed. And there Jesus, he died to redeem me, to pay the price for my curse. We're blessed by God in this life by having fellowship with him through Jesus and we're blessed eternally because we're given eternal life with God. You see, blessed in two ways. He blessed you now, but if you've accepted what he's done for you, him, Jesus Christ, the man that never sinned, becoming the sacrifice, he died on the cross. Why? To buy your curse away from you. If you've accepted him and believed, I'm not talking about you believe that Jesus 2,000 years ago died on the cross. You say, that's all it takes. No, no. You have to accept that by asking him to use what he did to cover your sin. You see, there's a difference in believing in God and accepting that belief to be able to cleanse your soul. The Bible tells us if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, then we shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the curse. Tell the person beside of you, saved from the curse. Saved from the curse. The curse will eventually separate you eternally from God. The curse of sin separates every human being. Once they get to the age of accountability right now, and the grace of God covers them until they know right from wrong. But when they get to the age of accountability, the curse of knowing our sin keeps us from fellowshipping with a holy and righteous God. The curse kicks in. You say, man, we wanted something upbeat. Okay, let's talk about the blessing. I love what Paul said. Consider this, and this is the way Paul described the blessing. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not only me, but unto all them that love his appearing. What did he say? Let me tell you about my blessing. I'm going to get a crown of righteousness. And not just Paul. Think about James. You know what James said? James said in James 1, 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Why? For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. So Paul's saying, hey, God's given me a crown of righteousness. And James is saying, he's given me a crown of life. And then if that's not enough, Peter kicks in in 1 Peter 5, 4, and he says, when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory. So hold on a second. Jesus took my curse, and he's given me a crown. What's He giving me a crown? Well, a crown, of, a crown of life. Hey, that's what got taken away by the curse in the garden. Are you with me? He's giving me a crown of righteousness. That's what I lost in the garden when the curse kicked in. He's giving me the crown of glory. Glory to God. I can walk in the presence of God today. Amen. And then for eternity, eternity, I can be with Him. Amen. So I've given back everything I've lost in the curse. What does He want to do? He wants to take my curse and give me a crown. And what have I done stubbornly in my Christian life so many times? I wandered back into my curse. Why? Well, because the crown wasn't real to me. Wasn't something I was seeing right now. It was just some Bible verbiage that I heard people talking about. And there's, there's those of you that are here today, and it'll just be something. Oh, yes, I know. You know, he's preaching about that. That's good. But, you know, i got all this going on in life. Hey, I, I want to implore you today. Don't take this opportunity and put it in this Easter file to say, This is what I heard today. Anytime God speaks to us, He speaks to us as a Father. What is He wanting to do? He's wanting to make our relationship with Him more secure, or He's wanting to bring you to Him. One of the two. He wants us to see ourselves today. And some of us are are just content to keep living in the curse. Even though you've been delivered out of it? Yes. Don't think I'm crazy. How many people in here have known the truth before? And known that God is in control, and known that God would bless you, and known that He's delivered you. But you've willingly went back and chosen to do something you knew was against Him. Anybody in here? And you've chosen the curse over the crown. Now, I want you to be able to see a couple of things. I want you to see what it means when we're told that Christ redeems us from the curse of the law. I want us to be able to see that he redeemed us from this curse by buying us as a slave from the bondage of the curse because understand, he had to not just free us from the curse. He had to take the curse on. You say, well, I'm never going to believe that Jesus was cursed by God. Then what are you going to do with verse 13? Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. We don't like to think about Jesus being anything but righteous, but when Jesus Christ died on that cross, knowing that He took our sins, He took every sin that we had committed, everyone we were going to commit, He died as the dirtiest human being that ever walked on this earth. Terrible, isn't it? He died under the curse of sin. Now, part of the curse of sin is that we have no fellowship, but the other part of the curse is that we Have no fellowship with God after this life is over. That's what we call eternal death. That's what we call hell. Separated from God forever with no hope of ever being able to leave the torment of hell and be forgiven of our sins so that we can have fellowship with God. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death, meaning eternal death, not just dying. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our lord we have a choice and you know what the choice is i can simplify it and it's all that's been on my mind what's the choice the curse or the crown the curse or the crown so even when we get to galatians 4 paul says Even so, in verse 3 through 5, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of this world, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. He goes on to tell us that if we accept the crown instead of the curse, that we're no longer a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God Almighty himself. Do you know what the heir of the king gets? They get a crown. Now, I've got plenty of Bible scripture I could share with you. I don't want it ever to be my opinion. But I need to be able to tell you the course of how things worked. And I don't want to inundate you with scripture. But if you want the notes, they're available for you. I want you to understand that he didn't just take our curse. He took on our curse. He didn't just take our curse. He took our curse and gave us a blessing. Praise God. The blessing of Abraham. Meaning that if he sees that one of us accepts by belief that he is who he says he is. I'm not talking about just believing that there's a God up there somewhere. And coming today and saying, hey, I think it's a good time to be at worship. Because it's Easter or, or any Sunday. I think it's a good time. to." W-. No, he means really getting it. When you do that, you become like Abraham, blessed like Abraham. Does it mean that everything in your life is going to go right? No, you live in a cursed world, but it means that you and him are right. What I've learned is that everything doesn't have to go right for me and him to be right. What I have learned is sometimes when everything isn't going right, that's when me and him get right. But when things start going my way and I start having this and that, guess who I do forget? I forget him. You see, those that were there when Jesus was mocked and bit and beaten and crucified, they didn't know what was going on. The religious teachers, the scribes, the Pharisees, they thought their plan actually worked when they got rid of Jesus, but they didn't realize that it was God's plan and it was the plan of Jesus all along to take the cross. He said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. But what blew my mind and humbled me when I was studying is that Jesus took this curse for me when there was no one around him, when he was lonely, when they were beating him, when they were spitting on him, when they were mocking him, when they were putting false witness against him. He took my curse when he was In pain, agony. He took my curse when he was carrying that that cross. He took my curse through all those things and never one time was thinking about a a different way, another way. He just took my curse. Did he have to? Should he have? No. No. You see, It's one thing for him to die for me, but that's not all we have to talk about today. You see, the curse wasn't just removed from his death. Our curse wasn't removed just because he died. Our curse was removed because he lived again. What I want you to see is that the biggest thing that we're celebrating on this day is that Jesus didn't stay dead. The only truly righteous man died as a sacrifice for sins of the unrighteous and his physical body was put to death when Jesus was killed they buried his dead body you say well that sounds like a simple set no we don't think about that we just think hey listen Jesus he was just buried then God brought him to light understand this was a real man that was really dead but can I explain to you in a nutshell, and I say a nutshell, but I want to explain to you what happened after Jesus died. Now, something that we don't like to, to talk about or, or think about sometimes because it stretches our mind. We would rather just keep it simple and say, He died on the cross and He was buried and He rose again and that's what I need to know. But do you understand how that affected us? You see, what I need you to understand is that the Bible tells us that through His death, through his death, well, he was able to satisfy the blood covenant, which means that he was able to give his life for us as a sacrifice. But through his life, he was able to defeat the curse. What do you mean? Get this. When Jesus Christ died, They took his body and they buried him in that tomb. He was really dead, really physically dead. But at the moment, the second that Jesus Christ died, he was no longer Jesus Christ the man. His soul, the same as our soul, his spirit, the same as our spirit, had one different thing about ours. His had never sinned. His had never violated, even though he carried mine in his body, his never messed up. So what happens? What happened to somebody during that time whenever they died? Oh, I never thought about that. Well, then let me tell you, before the time of Jesus, when people died, there was a place the Bible gives us reference, and some have called it paradise, some have called it uh, other things, but the Bible calls it Sheol. Anybody ever heard of Sheol? It was the heaven before when Jesus died. Hey, you're telling us something. Well, then stretch your brain. Sheol was divided into the hell part and the paradise part. If you don't believe it, read Luke 16. It'll sort of lay it out for you. And understand, it was the temporary place before Jesus. Why? Because Jesus came to fulfill all things. So understand, all those from Abraham, all those that have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ by their belief in Him in the future, who believed in God. Well, listen. They were at a place called Sheol in the paradise part. What happened when Jesus died? Ephesians 4 says Jesus before he ascended, he descended into the lower parts. Why? So he could go and get all those people. Well, why was Jesus different? Because Jesus had never sinned. His body carried our sin, but his soul was spotless. So when Jesus got to Sheol, Jesus was able to say, come on, I run this place. The Father has given me a place. He led captivity captive, took everybody back to heaven that accepted him before hand. Then what happened? Then he comes back here. How do you know? Well, the Bible tells me that as Mary was at the tomb, Jesus appeared and she thought he was a gardener and he said Mary, one word. She said, Master. She came over to hug him. He said, don't touch me yet. I have not yet been to my father. He was busy. He was going back to the Father. He said, my body's glorified. Don't touch me yet, woman. Right? Right? Woman was the term he was using. He said it in the most reverent way. Don't touch me, right? You say, well, his glorified body, I'm mistaken. Listen, Jesus then went back to heaven with his glorified body. You say, did he stay? No, no. You turn to John chapter 20, a little bit over, not right now, but you'll see that, hey, he actually invited Thomas, touch me, put your hands into my my hands, feel my scars. Guess what? He had his body. He was back on earth. He was here for a while. People saw him. They saw the resurrected Jesus walking around on this earth. You say, where is he now? Romans 8 tells me he ascended back into heaven to sit on the right hand of God the Father to make intercession for me. He's been busy. And I've kept him busy on my part intercession-wise. I don't know about you. Why do I praise him today? Because none of those things could have happened unless the curse was broken. And when the curse was broken, I can sit here today and tell you, this body stops living today and stops breathing today. The curse is broken with me. I've got fellowship with him right now, but glory to God. He's given me the crown of life, the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory. I can't lose. I've got victory in him. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, you accept the gospel and you'll have victory. He says, you don't need to go around here discouraged. Jesus Christ has broken the curse. He said, death, where's thy sting? Grave, where's thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of the grave, what's the strength of the grave? Listen, the grave has no victory over us. He says, therefore be ye steadfast, and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain. Christian, hold your head up. God has saved you. He saved you from the curse. Jesus Christ, the only person that could deliver you, came and went through every bit of what he went through. Why? Thinking the curse has to be broken. The curse has to be broken. Glory to God. He broke our curse. He restored us back to where we could have fellowship like Adam and Eve. And it's only my choice if I choose to get selfish and step back into my curse. I've done it before. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. I want to close by just saying something that Jesus said. I think it's so prophetic and it's huge. You know, Lazarus that died, Martha runs up to him, and Mary and Martha, they're they're talking, Jesus, if you'd have been here, even disciples are thinking, if you'd have been here, if you'd have been here, Jesus says in in John 11, verse 25 and 26, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Glory to God, he's the resurrection, right? I'm the resurrection and the life. Now listen to this. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Curse of death is gone, right? That's what he's saying. If you believe in me, though you were dead, yet shall you live. And he that that believeth in me will never die. What does that mean? Curse is gone. What did he give us? He took our curse and gave us the crown of life. He took our curse and gave us the crown of righteousness. He took our curse and gave us the crown of glory. Have you got something to praise God about today? Easter is not a day we just gather. It's the day the curse left and the crown came. Amen. Why in the world would He do that for me? Because He loved me. An indescribable love that I can't tell you the height or depth of it. I cannot understand it. I cannot fathom it for me to be able To wrap my mind around it, I can't. So what am I? I'm humbled. I left my notes a long time ago. I don't know where in the world I am. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you that God gives every person the opportunity to have their curse of sin removed. You may be in here today, or you might be listening out here. God gives you the opportunity to have your curse removed. Just because Jesus died on the cross, it doesn't remove your curse. It gives you the opportunity to have your curse removed. It takes you being able to accept it by belief and say, God, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. I violated your covenant the same way Adam and Eve did. And I want your forgiveness. I want you to remove my curse. I believe that your sacrifice will forgive my sins. Would you please forgive my sins and come into my heart and be my Savior? At that time, the Bible says that you're given one of the gifts of promise, which is the Holy Spirit. And God will be with you. And you'll be given the presence of his glory at all times. And it tells you that no matter what, you can never die. And it tells you that no matter what this world gives you in this land that's cursed, in this ground that's cursed, in this life that's cursed, that you're still going to be able to walk above it. Because he put the blessing of Abraham on you that said, I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. If I'm for you, who can be against you? If you've never had that or you don't know for sure, please don't hesitate. When we give this invitation, come pray with me. Make sure you don't leave here tonight or today. Make sure you don't leave here today unsure that the curse has been removed from you. Jesus died to do it. Don't be uncertain. Christian, now I want to talk to you. What happens to us? We stopped today and everybody said it's Easter and we almost feel obligated to worship him today. Have we got so busy? that we just forget he delivered us from an eternal curse and a lifelong curse that he wants to love us and pour his blessing upon us that all he wants is fellowship with us have we forgotten that what is it that became so important that we chose to put it before him our will, our wants, our mind our intelligence, our agenda what is it he's given you the breath He's given us the life. He's given us the cognitive ability to even think today. Why? He wants one thing thing from you, fellowship and worship. Today, you've been in his presence. Did you feel him? He wants you to be able to just talk to him as a father. You know what I want? I want my babies in the father role that I have. I just want them near me. I want to talk to them. I want them to know I love them and I want them to know. I want I want them to know I love them and I want to know they love me. That's all I want. Guess what Father God wants? Same thing. You give that to him. My kids give it to me. Guess what they're going to get from me? My blessing. And everything I have. Guess what Father God's going to give you? an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled. Amen? That's what the Father wants to give you. Come talk to him today. Understand the curse he delivered you from. Sit up where you're at right now in your presence in front of him and be able to say, God, let's make sure I'm right with you. If you need to rededicate your life today, rededicate your life. But understand he's given you everything and he took that curse away. Walk in that blessing and not in that curse. What is Easter about? Easter is about Jesus taking our curse and giving us a crown. That's a pretty good trade, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Father God, I love you. I praise you and I thank you for this day. I thank you for the time that you've given us here together, Lord. I thank you for speaking to us today. I thank you for your word which lays it out, Lord, and lets us see what you went through for us. You actually didn't just take our curse. You became cursed. You had to be all alone in this world. Jesus, without even the company of the Father to be able to break this curse, I want to say I praise you for that. I want to say thank you for loving me. I just want to lift your name up and recognize you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I want to bow before you and proclaim that there's no other name above your name. Lord, for my brothers and sisters that are here, those that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray, God, that you let us examine ourselves today to see if our relationship is where it needs to be. Speak, Lord, today so clear to your children. Let relationships get restored and renewed. I pray, God, today for all those that are here or are listening today that are unsure if they've ever been saved from the curse. I pray, God, that you would show them their selves today. And, Lord, remove any inhibition, Stop them, Lord, from having any kind of problem with falling to their knees. And Lord, knock on their heart's door. Let them be able to accept the salvation you offer today. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.